I mean, he had his hands on the back of her head. Well, <laughs> and I mean, it was very quick, but still, like he grabbed her head and and went for that's it. That's a calculated risk when you're doing that with a soccer player who knows how to <laughs> kick. <laughs> <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. 712 on Wisconsin's Morning News this Monday morning. Do you are, do you know if they're finding those make up north? I don't know why I'm so interested yes, in this story. Yeah, actually, that's a great question. So, yeah, what, in Trempolo County, right? And so, they, right, somebody sabotaged a mink farm. Cut a hole in the fence, yeah, so all the animal rights escaped out, yeah. and they were trying to capture the mink. Yeah, so animal rights activists released 3,000 minks from this Wisconsin farm during that late-night heist. Uh, as of now, about 90% of the minks have been recovered, that according to the sheriff's office in Trempolo County. Now, that's that's a good sign. If you get that many of the 3,000, uh, I think you're probably in a pretty good spot because basically like there, there's not a lot of places for these mink to go. Like the the one, um, the president of the Fur Commission USA told one local outlet there that basically they just die because there's nothing to eat and they don't have the burrows to find security from predator attacks. So if they're not getting any sustenance themselves, and by the way, there are other predators just flying around saying, hey, look at that tasty little treat. Hey, I haven't seen one of these before. <laughs> yeah. That looks tasty. Yeah. The fact that they're able to get 90% is probably going to be about where they end up. What do you mean flying around? Like birds of prey? Oh, yeah. Do birds eat mink? Absolutely. Like what? Like a hawk or an eagle or something? Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'd come down and swoop and grab one Eagle or two. would eat mink. <laughs> well, I don't know. Eagle would eat anything, right? If it I eats suppose, to. right? If you see these little guys scurrying around, a little furry thing. I bet you, <laughs> I bet you there are a couple of eagles up there in Trempolo County sitting pretty this morning, right? <laughs> what, with like... <laughs> They got mink pelts in their they, nest. They like furred out their whole nest. It's all luxury. <laughs> it's looking good. Yes. Give yes. <laughs> himself a little hat. Yeah. I ain't bald anymore. That's a toupee. Call me a bald eagle. Take a look at this, huh? It's got a really sweet look looking toupee this. on. Hey, Check you, this. You look different, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie. Oh, yeah, thank you. I've been yeah, working out. You. Yeah, I've been working out. Why? What What looks different? Your hairline doesn't yeah, look as looks, bad. Looks nice. Where'd you get that? <laughs> No longer a bald eagle. Real sexy eagles up there in Trempolo County. 714 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Sports is up next. That's sponsored by Holiday Automotive at Highway 23 in Fond du Lac. Holiday Automotive, it's worth the trip. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. Adrian Hauser struck out seven and allowed only one run over five innings as the offense finally comes alive for the Milwaukee Brewers as they complete the three-game series sweep over the Texas Rangers this weekend by a final score of 6-2. to two. A welcoming finish to a tough three-city, nine-game road trip for Brewers manager Craig Council. It's a baseball season, and, you know, we want it, like, steady as it goes, and it's, sometimes it, it bounces up and down a little bit. And so, played a good series, get to enjoy a day off, and um, on to another tough challenge. The Brewers, with the win, remaining three games ahead of the Chicago Cubs for the top spot in the National League Central Division. Milwaukee with an off day today, as they are set to begin a two-game series with the Minnesota Twins on Tuesday night. Over to the NFL as the Green Bay Packers will hit the practice field this week in preparation for their final preseason game on Saturday. After a 21-17 loss over the weekend to the New England Patriots, head coach Matt LaFleur met with the media on Sunday afternoon and was asked if first-year starter Jordan Love will start 
in the team's final preseason matchup against the Seahawks. He's going to play. Just I, I don't think you can give these guys enough young players, in particular that position, enough reps. I really don't. I think there's something too, like like we mentioned, and we strategically did this. So we had a night game. You know, just the approach and how you prepare for a night game. Now we have a noon kick at home. So I, I think there's a lot of value in that. He's in a different role. And um, so I, I think it's extremely valuable for him. And um, how much he'll play, I mean, we'll kind of I'll let you guys know on game day. Scary moment on Saturday night for the Patriots, a cornerback Isaiah Bolden. He has been released from the hospital following a scary collision with the team. And, and Vinny, you were working that game. There was about uh, 10 and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. He had probably about 45 minutes left of gameplay in real time. And all of a sudden, it just it was Stopped. strange. We were working concessions, you know, nonprofits can work the concession booths up there. And so we were up there for Greendale Band and Cheer. And uh, nobody came around and told us the game was over. It was obvious because there are screens and you can hear sure. the inside of the stadium. Mm-hmm. And we just heard the referee just say, yep, both teams decided that we'll be done here. And it was just odd because as people poured out of the bowl of the stadium and kind of walked by our booth, they're like, oh, I guess that's that. But nobody seemed real bent out of shape over it. I think people were both concerned about Isaiah Bolden you know, probably the last they saw. Yeah. Hard to get upset when you see a guy not moving getting right. taken off the field. And he didn't, there was no thumbs up or like I'm going to, there was sure. no indication of, you know, what kind of shape he was in yeah. having left the field. So I think people understood that. And also, it was like 10 o'clock, man. It was getting, <laughs> From it was a late. 7 o'clock. It was, it was getting kind of It was of hot. Yeah. Beer sales were already cut <laughs> off. I think people were like, oh, yeah, we're good. good. We'll, we'll walk, across, we'll, we'll walk across the street to the district. The Packers are back at practice tomorrow beginning at noon. That practice is open to the public. 7-19 on Wisconsin's Morning News. At 7-23 on this Monday morning, and we already know in a Sunday post to social media, former President Donald Trump will not attend the GOP debate in Milwaukee Wednesday. Bing, bing. I love it. I love it. This morning, security and other preparations well underway for the event at Pfizer Forum. And today we're launching our podcast series as we approach the Republican National Convention here in Milwaukee next summer. A lot of us are going to take part in this, Eric. Yes, yes. Uh, all our resources, and we have partners that are also involved in Milwaukee Business Journal and TMJ4 News. Yeah, so of course the event is going to bring global attention to Wisconsin and Milwaukee, just outside of even the politics. And that narrative will carry through our series, Countdown to the RNC. We partner, as Eric said, with Milwaukee Business Journal, TMJ4 News, to produce these episodes. The first one drops today. It's hosted by WTMJ's John Mercure, features editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal, Mark Cass, and TMJ4 News chief political reporter, Charles Benson. How important is it that we continue to control the narrative when it comes to what other people from around the country and to Charles Point around the world see about our city? I mean, I think it's very important. I think you have to show show really what's going on here. You have to show the restaurants. You have to show the fact that we had a f- finalist for the number one for a brand new restaurant. I mean, in the country right here, right here in Milwaukee, you have a great restaurant scene. You have a lake, which I think everyone kind of forgets. We have this beautiful lake yeah. here and and an art museum on the lake. You have all these things. Now, I don't think we can overlook the crime issue because that can't, I mean, the worst thing that could happen is something awful happens here in the week when when everyone's here. Clearly, that has to be a focus still, but I think you also have to spend the focus of here's what's good about Milwaukee. Here's the things that are going on. Here's what we're working on. Here's all the firms who have come here. Here's the, I mean, here's the coal store opening right in the heart of the city. Here's the the companies who are moving right into the heart of the city with hundreds and hundreds of employees. Here's all they have 
apartments that are being right here in the middle of the state. I mean, there's a lot of great things happening here. They have to focus, They have to highlight those, but you can't forget about what else is going on in the city, too. And the impact. Think about the impact, John. It just can't be here. The impact has to be on 24th and North. It has to be on 3rd and Center. It has to be throughout the city. It can't just be right in the heart of the city. And that's a key point. But also, it does I think there are multiple narratives about Milwaukee and its history. And I think all of those will be explored and should be. Uh, and, you know, there are lots of different headlines that can tell you what's happening in downtown, what's happening outside of downtown, what's happening in Wisconsin. I think all those narratives play out. So these episodes will also feature high-profile guests. Now, you heard from Milwaukee Business Journal's Mark Cass, their editor-in-chief, and Charles Benson from TMJ4 News, John mm-hmm. Mercure hosting. Uh, this week, it's RNC chairwoman Ronna McDaniel talking with John Mercure and we had this in the news a little bit. Merck was asking her about this requirement that GOP candidates sign a pledge. And the pledge is that they will support ultimately the GOP nominee, whoever that is. And former President Trump has wrestled with that and said he didn't want to sign the pledge. One of the reasons, although not the only one, but one of the reasons he is not participating in the debate here in Milwaukee. Or any debates, he right. claims. It seems like the pledge doesn't really have any teeth, though. I mean, what are the repercussions? Jeb Bush and John Kasich signed the pledge in 2016. Then they ended up not supporting Donald Trump. What's the repercussion? What are the teeth in the pledge? I think the voters see it. I think the vote, you know, I talk to grassroots all the time. I know the media loves this pledge discussion, the Beat Biden pledge. But I can't tell you how many races we lost last cycle. Uh, Close races because Republicans refused to support the nominee of our party. We'd have the Senate right now if Republicans showed up for other Republicans. And we're not going to win the White House. We're not going to win the Senate if we can't get every Republican to vote for our nominee and then some independents. So that's WTMJ's John Merck here with RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel. You can hear all of it. The podcast is live right now. Find it at WTMJ.com. You can subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Or just text the letters RNC to the Old National Bank talk and text line this morning, RNC, to 855-616-1620. We'll send you the link. Bye, Bing. Bing, that's the end of that. You know, it's the only thing you can say. Brewers broadcaster Sophia Minnert is our guest on Brewers 360 coming up at 745. A kiss of controversy at the Women's World Cup soccer celebration. TV cameras were trained on Spain's football federation when he planted a kiss squarely on the lips of team captain Jenny Hermoso during the country's first Women's World Cup title celebration ceremony. When asked about it by a reporter, Hermoso said she didn't like it. Fans immediately expressed outrage on social media, but Federation President Luis Robiales told an interviewer, when two people have a minor show of affection, we can't heed what he called idiocy. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. I guess it depends on how you define minor affection or minor... I mean, he had his hands on the back of her head. (laughs) I mean, it was very quick... But still, like he grabbed her head and, and went for That's it. That's a calculated risk when you're doing that with a soccer player who knows how to <laughs> kick. <laughs> it could have could have it all been resolved very quickly. <laughs> oh, another PK right there. Boom. This news report brought to you by Steinhoffels. Visit them at steinhoffels.com. Oh yeah. Seven forty-one, Wisconsin's morning news. Great to have you with us on this Monday morning, the first Republican presidential primary debate right here in Milwaukee. It's on Wednesday, 
And the best place to get immediate analysis and reaction is on our Decision Wisconsin post-debate show. It's going to be right after the debate, so flip on over to WTMJ. Wisconsin's Afternoon News host, John Mercure, will be joined by Dr. Ken Harris from 1017 The Truth, and they'll have the highlights, the lowlights, all the moments that need to be covered and reviewed. It's Decision Wisconsin, the WTMJ post-debate show immediately following the first Republican presidential primary debate here on Wednesday, August 23rd. Brewers broadcaster Sophia Minnert is our guest on Brewers 360. She's up next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Milwaukee Brewers wrapped up their nine-game road trip with a three-game sweep over the Texas Rangers this weekend. Milwaukee winning 6-2 on Sunday afternoon. And with that victory, remain three games ahead of the Chicago Cubs for the top spot in the NL Central Division. Milwaukee with an off day today as they get set to begin a two-game series with the Minnesota Twins on Tuesday night at American Family Field. Brewers 360 is sponsored by Holiday Automotive, and on this Monday morning, coming off a three-game sweep of one of the best teams in baseball, Brewers broadcaster Sophia Minnert is with us. What was that plane ride back to Milwaukee like, Sophia? Uh, I think everyone was just happy to be heading home, honestly. Um, I think uh, it, was, it was obviously a long stretch on the road. Um, just, you know, it's, it's, those are really challenging trips, um, Chicago, L.A., and then finishing up in Texas. So, yeah, everyone's happy to be home and have an off day today. When you guys are right, uh, we got out of L.A. like just in time. If you look at uh, the, the flooding that's going on there and all that, were, was everybody happy to be moving on out of Southern California with what was coming their way? Yeah, I mean, obviously we were hearing everything that was happening with the hurricane and, and coming in, and they ended up changing the schedules for those teams. They all played, um, basically all the West Coast teams in California played doubleheaders on Saturday um, to anticipate, you know, clearing, you know, the teams out and, and not having any games on Sunday, which which I think ended up being probably the best decision for them. Sophia, good weekend uh, for the Brewers. Bounce back after those uh, tough three games in Los Angeles. Should we be concerned with Sal Freilich's hamstring injury? I know he was bumped out of the lineup yesterday. Um, I believe Craig Council said it was more of a precautionary thing, but is there any concern there going forward for one of the Brewers' top prospects? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think they think it's very serious. Um, he was just running out of ground ball in Saturday's game and just tweaked it or felt to tighten up on him. So, you know, typically he would be in the lineup yesterday against Max Scherzer, never faced him before. But I think just knowing what they have ahead of them this week, the off day today, another off day coming up on Thursday, I think they just felt like it was best to give him a full day off of his feet, give him two off days, see how he feels on Tuesday. I think they're hoping he'll be just fine. Short series here against the Twins, as you mentioned, just a couple of games. So what do we know about Minnesota? You know, they're in, in first place in the American League Central and, and that division. Um, it's, it, it's been an interesting one. It's, it's been similar to the National League Central, um, not the strongest division in the American League. Some of the teams at, at times have all been below 500, and it's kind of like who wants to take control of the division, like who wants to take first place. And um, I think for now, Minnesota's in that spot, so... Um, they'll be facing two right-handers in the series, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, I like our chances. Great finish to this road trip, six and three on the roadie for the crew. And... You weren't feeling this way on Friday. Who was? Oh, all right, <laughs> right. Thanks, Sophia. We'll talk again next week. All right, thanks.
It was brought up. I told you what my dad texted me the well, other day. In this room, oh, they won't even be in first place on Monday. Well, I mean, that was a realistic possibility, <laughs> yeah. Eric. Yeah. Well, yes. Let's be real. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Uh, Aaron in Oconomowoc did, t- since we read the text <laughs> on Friday, we want to hear what Vince's dad texted about the Brewers after the sweep. Uh, yeah, right? Because he texted during the show just to my brother and me, like he woke up angry after, the, after we got swept by L.A. Right. So then we sweep one of the best teams in baseball right on the heels of that. Sunday afternoon on cue, the text begins with, okay, just when I think that I'm out, they drag me back in. The Godfather reference, <laughs> yes. just when I think that yeah. I'm out, they pull me back in. So Joe Vitrano's back in. Good. 748 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Mark Tauscher joins us next. Idea man. I was on the farm, and I was young, and we were pulling a hay wagon across train tracks. Innovative. And my uncle, I saw that he didn't know that we were going to stop, and I remember dropping F-bombs on him. And Packers Hall of Famer. Had I not yelled at him slamming on the brakes, I think we'd have gotten T-boned. I I, I don't regret the fact that I yelled. I regret the fact that I dropped F-bombs at him. It's time for Tausch on Wisconsin's Morning News. Presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin and Kohler Services. Mark Tauscher on Wisconsin's Morning News, sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin and by Kohler Services. Back from his week-long hiatus, Mark Tauscher. What's up, guy? Oh, it's good to be back. Yeah, we went. We uh, had a family trip planned, so we went overseas. And, you know, it's always great going on vacation. But for me, I always love the getting home part. And I don't know if that's just an age thing, but enjoyed the trip. But usually about the day before we fly back, I'm always getting a little antsy. and I'm, it's ne- It doesn't matter if we go to the greatest place ever. I still am always looking forward to getting back home. Well, you're, but I think part of it is you're a logistics man. You're a planning man. You want to make sure everything's right. Are we going to get on the plane? Everything okay? All our stuff is there when we get home. House is okay. There's well, a little bit I'll of that. Tell you, I'll say this. Uh, so we went over to Portugal. And when we were there, I, so when you say I'm a logistics guy and a planning guy, my wife does all of that. And I think what happens when you go back and look at like geography and this, you look at the country of Australia and you think, Oh, it looks pretty small because it's far away. And then when you actually get places and you have like a five hour drive and you're thinking to yourself, well, I didn't think it was going to be this far because logistically you don't recognize the, the, you know, that's 500 miles just because it looks smaller. I don't know if this happens to you guys, but you go, you go somewhere where you don't know and you don't really study much. And you just kind of assume that everything is smaller. And then you realize the distance is the same here as it is in the U.S., even though it's metric and everything else. And that threw me for a loop on this trip, too, because there ended up being some longer um, voyages in between. Because I just look at Portugal, I look at, oh, it's a skinny little vertical, right, you know, on, on, uh, with Spain. And it turns out it's a lot bigger and longer than I think I anticipated. You know where that where that hit me? I had that exact thing in Vegas one time. We went to one of my wife's friends is from Vegas or lives there. We went to see her. And so what what I wasn't used to is because it's flat, you can see forever. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were going to be we we're going to go somewhere that was, I thought, just outside of Las Vegas proper. And we kept driving and driving and driving. And you could see the skyline the whole time. And you're like, where the hell are we going to get here? Yeah, I, it's it's uncanny because Vinny, I'd like to think that we're both pretty smart guys. Uh, smart when guys. you you look at things and you try, 
I think part of it is when you go on these trips, you just want everything to work out, be great, and, oh, let's cover this, because you don't know, like, the odds of me ever going back to Portugal are pretty slim, so I want to, uh, you know, go to as many places as we can, and you want to do as much stuff as you can, and you just don't realize, and I don't, I didn't study it, I didn't know, and next thing you know, you know, you're in like, you're in a car for eight or nine hours, and you're like, I don't know if this is what I signed up for, but you enjoy it, you embrace it, and I don't think I'm going to, you know, for our next trip, whenever that's going to be, I don't think I'm going to do anything different because sometimes ignorance is bliss. And in this case, I don't know if I'd say it was bliss, but I was definitely ignorant. Hey, Taos, so (laughs) you just made the open for tomorrow. Well done. Uh, On Saturday, on Saturday, we had the the Packers game at Lambeau Field and it got cut short early because of that Patriots player um, was taken off the field motionless. Turns out it sounds like he suffered a concussion. Sounds like best case scenario, at least for right now, as far as his recovery goes. But that's the second time now in less than a year we've had a game end early. Now, granted, it was preseason. It was a long game. There's really no reason to continue playing. But do you think we're setting a precedent now? Do you think we, we're going to get to a point where we're, we're shutting down more games before they're, the clock actually hits zero because of injuries? Yeah, it's really interesting. I was having a conversation with somebody last night. Um, they had family that came in and went to the game. They came in, I think, from Arizona and for the preseason game. And, and I think you, you always are looking. One of the things I like what the NFL is doing is they are taking player safety and they're, they're being a lot smarter about it. But I do think you have to really kind of start looking at it and saying people are paying and you, you do want to finish games. And this is, there's been two games, but it's been pretty recent. And I, I do wonder every time there's a major injury, it is really tough for the players on the field to kind of regroup and get back out there. I do. I, I wonder how and what's the what's the line of demarcation if somebody snaps a leg like Tim Cromroy did in the Super Bowl or something like that. Is that going to be? I, I think it always comes back to if it's something like we saw with Hamlin with you know life threatening things. I totally understand it with concussions and everything else. There's that line that I think the NFL has to try and draw, but especially in the preseason, I think you should always be cautious and make sure you're looking out from the from the safety of the players as best they can. I feel like, Tausch, if Isaiah Bolden on that stretcher had given the, the proverbial thumbs up that players sometimes will do to let fans know, yep. like, okay, I can feel my arms, I'm moving things, it's going to be all right, would have been a different story. The fact that there was no movement detected in him yep. as they wheeled him out changed that narrative, I think. I, I, I think, and everybody is very sensitive, and, and I think – it's really good that the league is looking at it and, and taking into account more of the players' health than they ever have. I think that is a plus, but I do think there's, you know, you, you always have to have protocols in place, and when there's stuff that majorly happens, you have to make tough decisions when you're figuring out whether or not to continue to play. Great to have you back, Tausch. Welcome home. Hey, Tausch. Oh, I'm excited. Thanks, guys.